0: I'm going to sit down if that's okay, and uh, I'm just grateful for you guys that this is not like two or three days ago, uh, because you'd have needed sunglasses to look at me, because I'd turned bright yellow, and uh, the yellowness is going slowly, but it certainly has been a challenge uh, for me. I value all the prayers of uh, all of you, and as I said this morning to those of you who are able to be here, I've missed you very much. And uh, I don't know how people who call themselves Christians and say they have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, and yet they don't really have a desire to meet together with other believers, because that's where a lot of our strength comes from. And it's a joy to be able to say that uh, whilst I've been in the hospital, I have known the goodness of God. In a way, the song that we've just sung, I never really understood. Uh, Because I'm British, the British had the world's biggest empire. The saying was that it was only mad dogs and Englishmen that were out in the noonday sun. And in Britain, we don't get emotional about anything. Perhaps a dog, maybe, perhaps a horse, something like that. But during the last few weeks, I've learned that my strength is in him and in him alone. And I need you to understand that. And I know there are some of you here this evening who have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. Because you've got it all sussed, all sorted out. You've gone through the thought pattern and process process. And you like things to be pigeonholed neatly and you don't want to get too involved because you know that if you allow God in, he's going to demand something from you. And his demand is everything. Absolutely everything. He don't want just a bit of you. He wants all of you. And that means the things you love will have to change. I was thinking about uh, that particular point. And sometimes it's so obvious, the things that we enjoy in our life, isn't it? Because of the look on our faces, the excitement that we yield. But I'll tell you this, also from the guilt in our lives, we can tell the things we enjoy. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. But there are times when we have to recognize because of the guilt that we feel that our hearts are not right with God. When I was in Rome and the few Sunday evenings, I planned to uh, speak on uh, my experiences in in uh, the ER in Rome. Well, I've had a few more experiences to relate to from the emergency room and here in there. Uh, in Woodstock. I'd like to say if there's any (coughs) um, nurses and uh, uh, doctors and people involved in the medical services here this evening or have been, uh, you do a great job. Thank you, my friend. And uh, as they say in England, get a grip, son. And we've got a lot to be grateful for. If any of you can explain, however, why the nurse gives you a talk about having a decent night's sleep, and you finally get off to sleep, and about half an hour later, she wakes you up to take your vitals, and then every two hours after that, she continues to do that, and then at 3 a.m., 3 a.m., I want you to think about 3 a.m. in the morning. The light is pushed on, and uh, a nurse comes in and says, I need a blood sample. Every day at 3 a.m. in the morning, And you think to yourself, but you told me I need a decent night's sleep. So that's the only thing I'd like you to work out. One of them explained to me it's because of the doctor who comes at 5 a.m. in the morning just to make sure that you have had the best night's sleep possible. And uh, I'd like to think that I've got some ideas that uh, might change the way that things work. But going back to Rome, I explained to you about the fact that whilst I was there, I felt very much alone. And uh, God brought Mary Davis she wasn't saved, but she spoke English and Italian. And God did that because he knew my need. And whilst I'm trying to get to sleep in Rome, I hear a lady crying out the whole night long. And she just cries out, Padre, Padre. So I said to Mary Davis after... <laughs> We'd both failed to get to sleep. She was on the bed the other side of the corridor for me. I said, what's her problem? And she said, she's dying. And she's terrified. And she believes that only by confessing her sin to her priest will she get to heaven. And so this dear lady cried out all night, And she was uh, beside herself. And uh, I realized that I didn't have a problem. Because my faith was in a living saviour. and that living saviour was there. And I knew he was there. But that dear lady had no hope And there are some of you here this evening who if everything was peeled away, the good health you have, the parents that love you if you're a young person here, the pension you've got if you were an older person. If you had all of that taken away from you, you'd have no hope. Because the hope I'm talking about is a hope that is absolutely certain, will never fail, will never let me down. And that hope can only be found in one place. And that is when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. Now, if you haven't done that, and you've heard it spoken of many times, if you've been to this church, you hear it weekly morning and evening. But still, you're just not going to let go and let God have control. And my heart bleeds for you. I'm so sorry. When Luke wrote his gospel, he wrote it because he wanted us to know Jesus. He wanted us to come to terms with who Jesus was. The synoptic gospels, each of the gospels have a a different feel and then we have John's gospel which is a very spiritual gospel and I love John's gospel. But Luke, when he wrote his gospel, he wanted us to know Jesus. And I've been reading through Uh, Luke's gospel why? because I want to know Jesus better (laughs) Uh, when Sam Aubrey was talking this morning he made the point that John had said we met him we touched him we spoke to him he was there. You see, they didn't just have a, a group hug as the apostles and make it all up. They didn't just say, why don't we just put this together? Come up with a story. What they did was tell the truth. And I'm so grateful that they told the truth and so when we come to Luke's gospel there's a section of scripture which just struck me and uh, I shared some of this with a few people it's chapter 7 verse 11 (laughs) to 17 And I'd just like to share a few thoughts with it with you, thinking back to the lady in Rome, because you see, she didn't know Jesus, she might have known a parish priest, as Mary Davis said to me, the parish priest would be nothing without me she said. I've done so much for God and now I need him. He's not here. Because she'd have gone about it the wrong way. She was trying to do it in her own strength. She wanted God to notice what a good person she was. Now it happened the day after. And just to put it in the context, and of course we always know that it's important to put scripture into context. The centurion's son and had been healed. Uh, and we read that section beforehand. Verse 9, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent, returning to the house, find the, found the servant well who had been sick. You see, the Saint Jesus didn't even have to go to deal with that problem. And then we come to verse 11, and it says, Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him. And a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out. The only son of his mother. And she was a widow. And a large crowd from the city were with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin. And those who carried him stood still. And he, that is Jesus, said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, a great Prophet has arisen amongst us, and God has visited his people and this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. We know the story well we've probably read it loads and loads of time times and the thing that uh, struck me as I was looking at this and as I tried to make a few notes and I wanted to record what was being said. Verse 11 struck me as being exactly what it is. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain. And many of his disciples went with him in a large crowd. You see, Jesus, the people that were with him, the people in the city, everyone came face to face with death. There was nobody who didn't know what was going on. If you like, Nain itself was consumed with grief. And from these few verses, we discover one thing, and that is that Jesus has the power over death. I want to say that it tells us that there is hope. But what these verses also tell us is that death is awful. It's absolutely awful. And you hear people sometimes say, well, uh, you know, I'm okay with my death. Sometimes even in our country today, people ask for death. But I want you to know that death is awful. Back in the beginning of Genesis, when sin came into the world, it's as though death came crashing in onto the scene of this world. Unwelcomed, it was never planned, it was not part of creation. And it comes crashing in and everything changes. People's attitudes are changed. Because death has come bounding into the scene. Death is unwelcome. There's none of us here that are going to welcome death. death is awful we ask why and we see the first hints at an answer when we look at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and when we gather for Lord's supper we were meant to this morning but the elders have kindly agreed that we wait till next week and I plan God willing to be able to speak and we meet around the Lord's table to remember his death. But you see, he's experienced everything, including death. And so, when we meet together in that way, we're able to understand a little bit. Jesus knows what we're facing. But what does all of this do for us? So I tell you? All of this talks about the compassion of Jesus. Have you really thought about that before? His compassion is demonstrated. And And I can't get my mind away from that. His compassion is revealed to us in our lives personally. As we read the scriptures, as you look back at the beginning of of Luke and you see the lepers healed, you see those who are demon-possessed. And Jesus had compassion on the people and he still has compassion today. Just read verse 13. When the Lord saw the woman, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Now there's something that struck me about these verses, and do you know what it is? It's this. You ready? Ready? Jesus didn't have to wait to show his compassion to her. He didn't wait for her to beckon to him, to call to him. There's nothing of that told in this section of Scripture at all. But because his compassion is so great, he waded straight in. And he dealt with the need. Because, friends, that is our God, that's my Saviour. And if you don't know Him, I plead with you to see the compassion of Jesus. I think it's a lot of the drugs they've been giving me. I'm still on more drugs than I, I... I wonder who else in the world is taking drugs at the moment because I seem to have most of them. And, uh, um, and uh, I, I, I have had uh, copious quantities of antibiotics pumped into me and various other things, even some in little black bags that say, do not expose to the light. And I'm thinking to myself, what's all this about <laughs> And uh, things to stop me feeling sick, things to make me go to sleep, things to make me wake up. I don't know. But Jesus went straight to the mother. He showed his compassion, and then he said this, don't weep. Now, I'd never go to somebody who's in a situation and say, don't weep, because tears are good. But this tells us that Jesus knew the outcome. He knew what was... She didn't know what was going to happen. Jesus didn't question the mother about her faith. He didn't ask her, have you been good recently? come on, lady, what's your life like? Are you a sinner? He didn't ask her anything. There were no questions at all about her faith. Jesus knew what was needed. And in our need, it's the very same. You see, It's the very same Jesus who walked up to the city gates of name. Who held an Englishman's hands in Woodstock and London. because he's not changed. He's compassionate now as he was then. You see, whether you understand this or not, It is Jesus who draws near to us. My natural inclination is not to draw near to him. But it is Jesus who draws near to us. He's here, and he cares. Um, The doctor let me out of the hospital to go and see Rob. That's the same for Rob. And as we spent time in Rob's room, We remembered the verses in Lamentations 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never fails. They are renewed every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Friends, this is Jesus. You might have been told all sorts of stuff over your life. You might even talk to someone else and say, well, if you'd had as much as I'd had to cope with for the last 40 years, perhaps if you had been in the church that I was brought up in in the last 40 years where the real Jesus was never really explained. You see, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. But you can use that as an excuse. And when you do that you will be pushed further and further away from the relationship that you so desperately need. I'm reading a book at the moment entitled Side by Side, How to Get On with Other Christians. I've got a feeling it might be good that we bought a copy for everybody. And you know what? We can come up with some of the most ridiculous reasons why we can't. Be what the people around us need us to be. I'm sorry, Joey, he gave me two minutes and I think I've gone over that. Verse 14, Jesus has power over death. Then he came and touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still and he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Now, I am so Grateful that Jesus has power over death. And here's the reason every single one of us are born dead. That's what the Bible says. And you can stay dead and die physically or you can be raised to life go through death yes and then all those who belong to the kingdom of God will be raised at the last trumpet sound and we will have newness of life new bodies because he's promised he will do it. And so for the believer, whilst we all accept that death is awful, and there are some of us here this evening who have been touched by death in a way that we should never have been touched. There are some of us this evening who, if we were asked... how we feel we'd still say we're sad and we would still ask questions like why and then we remember the compassion of Jesus and we remember that he has said that all those who belong to him will be raised in perfection. And so we rejoice in that. Lastly, the very last verse, and I asked Randy to read the uh, section from uh, 1 Kings chapter 17 about Elijah. Um, Because the crowd here, I suspect, can't say for certain, but a Jewish crowd, then fear came upon all and they glorified God saying, a great prophet has arisen amongst us and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding regions. It wasn't a great prophet that had been raised amongst them but you see they would have thought back to Elijah and they would have thought about the widow her only son now poor Elijah had to do a lot more to see that that son being brought back to life didn't he he had to take him up to a room he had to lie out on him three times cry out to God And all Jesus said was, sit up. Why? Because Jesus is God. And Jesus has the power over death. The young man had no choice. (laughs) I suppose you've thought about that before. When Jesus called him, couldn't do anything about it, could he? And he sat up. Now, we don't know what else happened after that. But as I thought about that, the picture of the gospel came to my heart and mind. When Jesus calls you and you respond to his calling, you have to get up. You have to leave the deadness of the life that you had and live how you were meant to live. And so I close by just reminding you all here again, that Jesus is calling you now. How do I know that? Because you've just listened to the word of God read to you. You've just heard the testimony of somebody who has experienced the grace of God in my life. And you cannot excuse yourself and say, I didn't know None of you can. And so it's now your responsibility to rise up from the spiritually dead life that you're living and embrace the Savior, the God of all comfort, the God of all compassion, And receive from him life, abundant and everlasting. Um, So my situation is that, uh, strictly speaking, it's still gallstones, but uh, my common bile duct is blocked, so I have to have a bag to remove the poison stuff in my body. Uh, And we've got to leave that working for a week. And then on Friday, Joe's got to switch the switch and see what happens for the next week. And then they'll see what what it is. But they have just given me a bit of a warning that there could be something more sinister here. So I don't know all the details. I would value your prayers. Um, And if you've never prayed for me before, and I can understand that, (laughs) I'd like to ask you to pray for me. Um, But I want to be here for you. So... If you've got any issues or anything in your life, just give me a call. And I'll pray for you too. The Lord bless you.